Hello, and welcome to the Countbred Podcast. My name is Lou, my pronouns are they, them, and I'm very excited to welcome you to this week's episode. Today's segments will include whips, FOs, brainstorming, and something extra. Okay, let's dive right into whips. So I really only have one whip to talk about this week because it's the only thing I've been working on. And that is the sweater that I'm making for my mom, which I'm basing on the Maydrop tee pattern. Um, in the last episode, I told you all about the issues that I had getting this started, um, getting the sizing to come out how I wanted. I had some disagreements with my original swatch, but we're, we're well on the road now. I've got maybe 14 inches of the body, um, which is just plain stockinette going from the bottom up. I'm leaving out the color work in the Maydrop T pattern. And, and I want to get to 19 inches and then I'll split for the sleeves. So hopefully that'll happen in the next few days, ideally. I'm recording this on October 1st, so we are now officially in my mom's birthday month. Uh, so the pressure is on. And I'm, I'm hoping that once I'm done with the body that things will kind of feel like they're moving a little faster, but it's been not unpleasant. You know, it's been, you know, nice sort of oatmeal comforting knitting, but it certainly has taken a while, especially with all of the do-overs that I had to do to get it to get it to this point. And really for that reason, for the timing, I have not worked on my other two whips at all this week. I haven't, have not touched the Tarasso Atkins since I made that first square and my head sock has just been sitting in a drawer. They're not really in timeout, they just are not the priority right now. But I do have a little bit more that I can talk to you about for FOs. Sweater isn't literally the only thing that I've done the past couple of weeks. So I was really itching to get into the Halloween spirit. It's my favorite holiday. I love all of the, you know, spooky-ooky decor and all of those things. Not, not all the way into like horror and gore, but like, pumpkins and little ghosts and bats and things. I'm all about it. So last year I made some recycled jack-o'-lanterns. I made two big ones using the like big plastic jugs that you can get uh, cheese balls in and one little one using a big tub of Vaseline. And they were really simple, kind of fun projects that I did. Um, just a bunch of orange tissue paper and Modge Podge to get a kind of decoupage all over the, the containers and then some black paper to make the jack-o'-lantern faces. And I painted the lids green, stuck a candle in them, and that was it. I made them last fall right before I moved. And so it was basically right when I moved, I put them out on the porch. And they're super cute. I really love them. But they took a little bit of a beating last year um, from the weather. So I decided to get some actual sealant. I, you know, once everything was done, I coated it with the Mod Podge again, but it didn't seem to be quite enough to protect them. So I got myself some sealant and gave them some retouches a couple weeks ago. So the, the green paint chipped a bit. So I've, sen I've since learned that to put, you know, just like acrylic craft paint onto that type of plastic, it's really helpful to sand it and rough it up so that the paint has something to grip, um, which I didn't know last year. So I just 
put on a lot of paint until it seemed covered and I sort of tried to sand it a little bit as I was touching them up this year but I don't think it really helped that much but I'm really not that worried about it. So everything everything is nice and sealed up now and of course two days after I put them out we had a hurricane coming through <laughs> so took them right back inside but they're out on the porch again um, with their big they, the the big ones have timer candles that used to be on in my parents fireplace and my mom very kindly donated them to the cause last year <laughs> so they are good to go making me very happy and then after that i was still in kind of a a crafty mood which i'm trying to you know distinguish from you know i'm, I'm almost always in like a fiber arts mood but after retouching them and doing a little bit of the painting and getting them spruced up, I wanted to do a like craft craft with glue and paint. And I have been watching the entire YouTube backlog of the channel Studson Studio. And he does really, really incredible projects where he takes mostly trash and turns it into these stunning miniatures. I highly recommend it. He's got a bunch of stuff from different video games and Ghibli movies and all sorts of things. And so I was inspired by watching him and I decided to make a little book nook. Over the course of like a week of evenings after work, I collected some some trash and some actual things. I did make another trip to the craft store to get a couple. Uh, I didn't have any brown paint somehow, um, but it's a, it's a lot of trash. <laughs> so I took an old... Um, the box from a puzzle that I ended up uh, gluing together and framing and that is my base and then I had just a bunch of random bits and bobs that I pulled so some googly eyes that came in a bag of stuff for my grandma and a button from her button box that I thought would make like a good kind of faux painting on the wall and then I used some scraps of quilt batting and bits of fabric and stuff to make a little armchair. And then I ended up, I was originally going to make, make a fireplace with foam. And I was back at Michael's looking for just like a little spooky touch that I could add. I ended up getting um, some skeletons and I beheaded one of them to put in there. But I was looking around at the miniatures. They had a fireplace that was the perfect size for where I wanted to put it in my book nook. And I decided that instead of using some foam that I had from some packaging and I was going to get some clay and kind of make bricks and I was like, it's not worth it. I'm just going to buy this little wooden fireplace and paint it. So that's what I did. We also got some craft sticks, which I used to make um, faux hardwood flooring, which was a technique that I learned from Studson's videos. And I, <laughs> I even got um, a stick from outside and I theoretically sanitized them. I'm not really sure if I did it correctly. Um, so then broke it into little, little pieces to put into the fireplace as the logs. And I had another button from my grandma that was perfectly flame shaped. So I stuck that in there as well. Um, I'll put a couple pictures, this, pictures of this in the show notes. So I just think it's very charming. Yeah, and I used the googly eyes. I put them kind of behind the windows like there was you know something creepy looking in and I used some plastic canvas uh, that I had you know scraps of left over to make the window frames like it was just it was very it was very fun I felt kind of like a little kid again just like 
mashing some stuff together and making something cool. So I highly recommend just pick up some trash from around your house and, and see what you can do. It's very fun. Okay, so for brainstorming, as I said in the last episode, I'm really not looking to start any new projects at the moment because I do need to focus on this sweater. But I do have something that's been in the back of my mind for several months now, and it, it's sort of been poking its way towards the front of my mind, um, which is another Halloween quilt. And I say another because I made one, a very basic quilt. It's my first ever top, so I was just kind of trying to get the hang of things before I dove into the much more complicated wedding quilt that I made for my brother and sister-in-law. And I used just a bunch of different, you know, fun Halloween prints from Joanne. And I really love that quilt. I use it all the time, no matter what month it is. And then I went to a quilt festival in February and I picked up a fat quarter bundle of more Halloween prints. So it's kind of been lurking in the back of my mind, like I said, trying to think of what I want to do with all of these very cute Halloweeny fabrics. And I was considering for a while doing a coffin quilt and potentially like English paper piecing a bunch of the coffin shapes together. And then I thought that that might fully drive me bananas because it really has not been that long since I finished my first English paper piecing quilt. Um, and it maybe is not the right time. So I was thinking about, you know, more traditional piecing things that I could do. And I did find a foundation paper piecing pattern, which is really hard to say, uh, for a coffin block and super cute. I'll link it in the show notes. And at first I was thinking, this is perfect. I'll make a bunch of coffin blocks, slap them together. That's a quilt baby. And then I was planning of what I wanted, how big I wanted it. And these are six inch squares and I was going to need to make 120 coffin blocks. And I was like, I don't know about that. So this weekend I have been entirely taken over. I laid out all my fabrics and I've been looking at all different sorts of Halloween blocks that I can make. And I went down a really dangerous or a risky rabbit hole of, well, how hard is it to design my own, <laughs> my own quilt blocks? And then I, I uh, pulled back from that. That's not an instinct that I really have time to chase right now. So I put, I've pulled together a group of blocks that I think will make a very fun quilt. And I spent some time on Excel this morning, getting the different sizes of the blocks and kind of trying to plan a layout that will work and that will math out correctly. And I think that this is probably a buck wild thing to do and I'm maybe going to regret it. But on the other hand, maybe I won't. So at this, at this point, I think I might need to pump the brakes just a little bit because again, this sweater has to be the priority right now. But I, I do have a whole bunch of fabric laid out on my office floor right now. And it's very tempting to just start cutting into it. So potentially next episode, I will have a brand new gigantic whip to talk about. We'll see. I've also just slowly in my mind, I've been thinking about trying to work through things that I have right now, both yarn and fabric, which is part of why I busted open this pack. And my main reason for this is that I'm, again, very, very slowly preparing to move. And it at the very earliest, this won't be happening until next summer, but my hobbies are 
very uh, long term in general. So I'm really trying to not bring in any more materials or things just in the sense of I want the total volume to be going down for the next several months so it'll be easier to pack up and move with. I, you know, continued to poke around some patterns that will work for the yarns that I already have and I'm definitely looking forward to getting to a better place with my mom's sweater in terms of the timeline because there's a lot of stuff that I really want to make and I would love to get started on. So again, hopefully by the next time we talk, I'll have some, if not new whips, some more solid plans for new whips. Alrighty, so for something extra this week, since we're at the end of September, I wanted to do another little roundup of the books that I read during the past month. So for the first one, I talked about the last time I did a reading list, I talked about that I'm looking for a book to send to my grandma as sort of a primer slash reference for her in terms of queerness in general, but especially around gender. And I auditioned a couple books back in August and I wasn't quite sure about them. And so I tried another one, Beyond the Gender Binary by Alok Bade Manan. And this one also is not going to work for my grandma, but I did really enjoy reading it for myself. And I was very lucky I got to see Alok perform at my college when I was a freshman. And it was, I mean, genuinely life-changing in the sense of it is the re it, that performance is how I figured out that I was trans. But just in general, like the way the way that they think about gender and you know write about it or, or speak about it is really, really incredible. Uh, so I, I highly recommend that book, just not for my grandma. So I also read Siren Queen by Ni Bo, which is a standalone novel about the like 1920s-30s filmmaking industry in Hollywood, but with some very like creepy and unsettling kind of supernatural elements to it. Uh, there's a lot about sucking the life force from people and the kinds of bargains that people make to have success in the industry. And it was really, really gripping. I read it fairly quickly for how long it was because it was just, it was a real page turner. Um, that was another solid recommendation. And then I have two nonfiction, two more nonfiction books, I guess, which were Knitting for Anarchists by Anna Zilborg, which I read just to kind of fill in a gap between picking up some library books. Um, I wasn't honestly that impressed by it. Uh, I think kind of the, the main point of, you know, there's no wrong way to knit and how, just do it however it works for you and embrace that freedom and don't feel chained to your patterns. I think that that's all great. I just, I didn't think that it, Honestly, I don't think it needed the whole a whole a whole book to get that point across. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend that unless you're really, really interested in different ways that you can make stitches and things. But then the other nonfiction book that I read, I would highly recommend. This is In the Land of Invented Languages, a celebration of linguistic creativity, madness and genius by Erica Okrent. And this is the second book of hers that I read. I also read her book on the history of the English language uh, a few months ago. And I think that she's a really brilliant linguistics communicator. And the way that she structured this book in particular, 
as very much a narrative flow of all of the different all the different movements for inventing languages and their motivations and you know giving examples but not getting super bogged down in it and uh, her tone and her voice throughout the book are really um, really add a lot to the story that she's telling so I highly recommend that one as well and then in terms of series I have a few that I have been plugging away at um, so I read there's only a handful of maybe I guess there's only two books right now in Tales from Isthar by Victoria Goddard. Um, I've spoken at length about how much I love Victoria Goddard's writing and these were the this was the last series of hers that I hadn't covered yet. So at this point I only have two books of hers that I haven't read. They're two short stories and they are not yet available from a library so I am very very eager, eagerly awaiting those two and anything she comes out with in the future. I also started the Scholomance series by Naomi Novik, which is a sort of wizard high school, wizard boarding high school, but the school is trying to kill the students, sort of. Um, and it's, I was a little surprised by how much I like this one. It really, really worked for me in a way that I wasn't totally expecting. And I just started the second book yesterday or the day before, and I'm really enjoying that one so far as well. So I would recommend those. And then I've also read the third Martyrbot book, and I'm continuing to enjoy that series as I've talked about previously. And finally, I read both of the Monk and Robot books by Becky Chambers. Um, these, I read both of them in a couple hours, just over the course of one afternoon and evening, I sat down and read both of these books. They're not very long. There were about 150 pages, but like the pages are kind of small and the font was kind of big. So it was not, you know, an overwhelming amount of words. These are sci-fi books and they take place on a planet or a moon, I guess, that was almost destroyed by humans during, you know, the factory age. And that was turned around when all of the robots who were working in the factories sort of became sentient. They're not really sure why. And decided that they weren't going to work for the humans anymore. And so the humans, you know, kind of parceled off a very specific portion of the world that they're allowed to live in and have, you know, for several generations been rebuilding their society in a more sustainable way. And the, and then the main character, uh, the monk, who is named Dex, comes into contact with a robot and they're the first human to do so in, you know, hundreds of years. And so the, ro the robots have sent Mosscap as an emissary to learn about the humans and make sure that they're doing okay since the separation. And so it is very reflective and kind of considering your place in the universe and what it means to have a purpose or what it means to live a meaningful life. And it may be super emotional, and, but in a really good way. So I would definitely recommend the Monk and Robot books as well. Okay, that'll be all for today. And it was a little bit of a short episode because fortunately there's only so much I can say about the big black blob of stockinette that I'm knitting. But like I said, hopefully in the next couple weeks things will pick up a little bit and I hope to have a nice juicy episode for you next time. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and I'll look forward to talking to you in a few weeks. Have a good one.